Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling. Join Andy Schneider, National Spokesperson for the USDA APHIS Avian Health Program, Editor-in-Chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine, and author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, Chicken Factor Chicken Poop, and Zero Waste Chicken Keeping, as he welcomes top poultry veterinarians, poultry scientists, and poultry nutritionists to discuss the hot topics in the poultry world today and provide science-based, fact-based, study-based information to help you raise the healthiest poultry possible. And now, here's your host, Andy Schneider. All righty, thank you very much for uh, tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by our good friends, Tucker Milling. Just picked up uh, about a pallet full of Tucker Milling uh, last week for all of the different species of livestock we hear have here on the homestead uh, really good stuff you know the story behind uh, Tucker Milling and uh, I encourage you if you have it in your store to uh, try it out because you will be sold on the results and if you don't have it in your store inquire about getting it in your store uh, our friends over at Tucker Milling we got a great show lined up for you today all about feed protein and when I talked to um, uh, Dr. Gehring a couple of weeks ago I was like you know what for the show coming up um, first, if you haven't already listened to the previous two shows uh, with Curran, uh, we talked about baby chick nutrition and then baby chick nutrition part two because uh, we just couldn't fit it all really in one episode. So go back and listen to those, especially if you're dealing with baby chicks like right now, which thousands and thousands are across the country. Um, it is pretty much chick day season. It started pretty much in February and it goes all the way to past Easter. And so thousands, if not millions of chicks are going to be in homes all across America. And it's important to get those baby chicks started. So great, great couple of episodes. Uh, you can go back and find those on Blog Talk Radio and listen to your heart's uh, uh, content to those because we want you to start your baby chicks off uh, correctly. And scratch is not the correct way. And giving them treats at three days old is not the correct way. So go listen how to have some healthy chicks for uh, the duration of their life. Um, but today we're talking about where we thought we would talk, kind of dissect uh, a feedback different uh, ingredients, what they do, how much is too much, how much is not enough uh, for the next few months. And today, of course, we're going to be talking all about feed protein. Uh, There's many different types of protein. uh, And as we've talked before uh, with Dr. Uh, Gehring is that, you know, it it may say it has a lot of protein, but only a portion of it is actually uh, used or utilized uh, based on the type of protein it is. It gets very scientific. Uh, But we also know that is the season we're buying a chick starter and we see variations of uh, we'll just say larger amounts of protein in the feed and so you know what, what does that really mean uh, why is it important um, why do we reduce the protein once we start layer feed and you know increase calcium but but layer feed drops down to uh, anywhere from 
uh, 15 to 16% for, I would say, most of the bags that are sold, but then you have some that go up to, say, uh, uh, necessarily about that, but we will, uh, mainly right now about the chicks, but, you know, protein in our feed bag, when we see that, 16%, 15%, 22%, 18%, how much of that is really utilized, what's the uh, risk of having too much protein or not enough protein, uh, and, uh, you know, with, with baby chicks, we talked about that for the last two episodes, but we'll probably touch on it as well. But really, anything and everything you've always wanted to know about feed protein for our chickens from hatch all the way until they are uh, done laying and ready for the barbecue. So um, whatever you do, maybe you let them live out their life on your farm and you just feed them and their pets, whatever the case may be, um, protein along the stages of, of life for our birds. And it is very important. Um, I know that we had an article in the Chicken Whisperer magazine a while back, the risk of too much protein. Uh, and that article was really kind of centered towards uh, molting. And I think it came out in the fall issue. There's so many people, uh, when it comes to molting, they're like, oh, yeah, increase their protein. Um, oh, yeah, we need to feed cat food, dry cat food, all this great protein. And and Dr. Um, poultry scientist, Dr. Zach Williams, up at uh, Michigan State, really did a good job in that article kind of uh, explaining why cat food, ten, not the best way to go, and then why just throwing a bunch of protein at them is not the best way to go, even when they're molting. And then when, even during Cooptastic, when we had one of the foremost experts um, uh, in chickens in general, all across the country, um, from NC State University, uh, I specifically asked him, I was in that particular um, outbreak session about about molting and, and protein and whatnot, and I, I asked him before I had to leave, I'm like, let me just ask you this question. Happens all over the place, throw it at them, and he's like, no, no, absolutely not. So um, you can hear the, read the articles and protein, but today all about protein from my good friend, poultry nutritionist, Dr. Caring. I'm going to do just a little bit of kind of host chat. I got an email this morning, actually, from my editor at Chicken Whisperer magazine, and he said, thought you might find this interesting slash entertaining. Um, and he received uh, an email, probably through Chicken Whisperer magazine, because um, I'm pretty sure they read what we're doing and spy on us all the time. But United Poultry Concerns and they're kind of ranked up there, I think, in, in, in an all-day summary. The United Poultry Concerns would like you to kind of get rid of all your chickens and all your animals and, and not eat chicken and not eat meat and all that. They're kind of, I think, on the, the vegan side of things, but they're like – and then some of them go as far as say you shouldn't even have any pets. I don't know. Um, cows are bad, so but they probably drive around in their BMWs with leather seats and wear leather shoes and leather belts. So, you know, what, what are you going to do? Take it with a grain of salt. Um, in fact, you know, back in the day uh, with uh, yeah, the um, – uh, what is it? The um, uh, United States um, – oh, what was it? USB. Uh, what was it? The um, – I can't remember. But I've had them on the show before. Uh, they've called me after I've done interviews on Fox News and CNN. They've done, done after radio interviews. And the guy who – she's not in charge there anymore um, – Humane Society of the United States, that's what I was thinking. He would call me up. I'd have his number. He'd have my number. and He'd call up and say, I heard your interview on CNN, on the radio, or whatever. You know, what, what are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. And then I would basically tell him, like I did every single time, if you can prevent me with science-based, fact-based, study-based information that backs up your view or your suggestions, 
then I would be more than happy to share those. But right now you've come with me, you've come with nothing but hearsay and your opinion on things. Give me some facts uh, and, and I'll share those. But this email went out, it's a, a basically a press release um, and uh, from United Poultry Concerns and it's stated, get down here to the factual part. They're basically asking Tractor Supply to stop selling baby chicks. I'm going to read portions of this to you. And as all most of these things, there, there's some accurate points, and then there's some made-up opinion points that, that aren't very accurate. But this comes to us from uh, Newswire. Highly pathogenic avian influenza sweeping the country, including backyard birds, reports the U.S. Department of Agriculture, APHIS. United Poultry Concerns, a nonprofit organization promoting compassion care of domesticated fowl, is calling upon tractor supply company to stop carrying live chicks and ducklings in its stores, a practice that contributes to the spread of disease. Okay, that's debatable there. Um, poultry factory farms, I love how these factory farms. Poultry factory farms and transport methods added to traditional farming practices, live bird markets, cockfighting, and the wild-caught bird trade have created have created the conditions responsible for the spread of avian influenza, uh, capable of infecting birds and humans alike. Uh, I would like to ask them to pre prevent, present me some information on the last human in the United States was actually infected with uh, avian influenza. They didn't add this in here, obviously, for a reason. Backyard poultry keepers and their birds are not immune to this contagion, as shown in um, salmonella infection in backyard birds. Children and adults is also a significant risk during this time of year. Uh, more and more children have egg allergies and complications of seasonable, seasonable flu. Uh, the risk of infection uh, said, let's see, Dr. Pascal James, in Periato of the State University of New York's Health Services University in 2009. Okay, that was 10, 11, 12, 15 years ago. They're, they're, they're using information from 15 years ago. It's especially high for young children who come into contact with baby chicks and ducklings. I don't have a problem with that. Every single year for the last probably 20 years, there's been a salmonella outbreak related to baby chicks in the home. Um, and I've, I've, I've talked, you know, we've been even work with CDC for, for many years, and I've talked to them about really identifying the cause of that. It's, it's not necessarily the, the backyard issue. Um, United Poultry Concerns is urging Tractor Supply Company to start sell, stop selling these birds, uh, typically shipped by airmail. Uh, the newborns uh, arrive at newborns, new hatched. They born or they hatched? The newborns. I don't know if that's technically correct. Arrive at the store in fragile state of food and water deprivation and extreme stress. Many are dying or already dead. As an employee of Tractor Supply wrote to UPC on March 7, 2022, so this was earlier this month, an employee wrote to these people. The birds come by mail with many squashed to death. The sick ones suffer by themselves in the back of the store in a separate tub. Uh, parents buy them for their kids, and the kids handle them to death literally says Karen Davis, president of United Poultry Concerns. The stresses they endure weaken the bird's immune system, making them particularly vulnerable to avian influenza and salmonella. Uh, at the store, they receive little or no care, often lack fresh food or water. Often the food and water bowls are filthy, as reported by customers and employees. Uh, and at this time, for tractor supply, to, we're asking them to act responsibly and stop selling uh, living creatures, encouraging the spread of poultry 
diseases. <coughs> Pardon me. Couldn't hit mute. Couldn't hit mute fast enough. Um, and then there's for more information, visit our website. So that's that's circulating right now uh, across all of us chicken folks and emails and whatnot that uh, United Poultry Concerns wants to have chick, uh, tractor supply to stop selling chicks and dunklings. And uh, you know we 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 deal with the facts here and the truth here. You know that. Um, and and I I mean anybody who ever has walked into TSC at one time or another has noticed. It's clear as day. There's nothing to hide. Yeah, sometimes their water's full of shavings, just food full of shavings. They can't access us. They've got one employee normally that's assigned to take care of the chicks. Nobody likes to do it, and they do it. And uh, There might be a, a, a deceased chick in, in the bin or two, possibly. They're, they're chicks. It's going to happen, whether it's at home in the best conditions or at tractor supply and maybe not so best conditions. I know that last year uh, tractor supply had a heck of a time with these new brooders that they had set up, and they were really having a hard time. Um, they weren't operated correctly. They weren't utilized correctly and then I saw a few months later they were selling all these brooders that they had and they're going back to the bins and the heat lamp so um, yeah at the end of the day it's not a perfect um, situation at tractor supply when they're selling millions of baby chicks across the country it's just not um, but uh, just uh, it's, it's, it's interesting there how they attack certain things and and uh, that's their that's their agenda, and that's fine. They have the right to that, but it's very interesting. Then they throw in the salmonella in there, and, and tell you I've been I've been uh, educating on the uh, yearly salmonella outbreaks every single year for at least 12 to 15 years um, uh, about this, and it happens every Easter. It'll happen again this year, I assure you. Um, where the CD comes out with you know CDC warns folks salmonella outbreak due to baby chicks, blah blah blah, um, and and I've interviewed people on this show many a times that have gotten salmonella from their baby chicks, uh, from handling the baby chicks. Um, and you just have to, again, look at all the information and do what you can at home to try to prevent this. Um, but it is, it's not, you know, what really aggravates me are the folks that say, oh, that's just a, a government conspiracy to make sure we can't raise our own food. You throw that junk out the door. And then you have folks that say, well, I've kept chickens for 50 years and I've never had a problem. You throw all that junk out the out the door. And then you try to have a, a reasonable minded middle group of people that are like, you know what, I see this. I've heard the interviews. I've talked to people that have actually had this. Nobody wants this. And I'm going to do some things to try to prevent this from happening. So you throw out the, that, that you throw out that and you have the, the kind of the, the mindset in the middle um, that, you know, hey, I'm going to do just, you know, what I can because there's risk in everything we do every day, uh, regardless of what it is. So um, you try to focus on those folks that are willing to do some things to try to prevent salmon outbreak every year. And a lot of times it's after Easter, and uh, you know that I promote. In fact, I already it's going to be in the magazine coming out here next week uh, about the I am a baby chick, not an Easter basket surprise. Uh, where people just literally and photographers literally go out uh, with no intentions of keeping these baby chicks or ducklings any length of time, and they're going to release them in a pond, and they're going to just, uh, you know, try to find homes for them. They just want them for the opportunity of a photo shoot with the kids, the grandkids, and all cute photos and that type of thing. Uh, and we've been adamant against that for years and years and years and years. In fact, I was the first one, literally go back and research it, that came out with this, you know, I'm a baby chick, not an Easter basket surprise. I've got the meme. It's going to be shared. It's shared every year. Uh, and even Tractor Supply themselves stole that from me, which is fine. If you're going to stole something from me or copy me on something, let's make it be something that's very good and then educational. So, uh, and then when I question tractor supply on it, they 
deleted me because they knew where they got it from. And uh, but, and again, that's fine because it's educational. We want this information to get out there. But it's interesting they didn't ask or say, hey, can we borrow this? Or can we use this? You might have to use this our store or anything like that. So that kind of rubs you the wrong way. Uh, but but yeah, so it's, it's just, you know, this spring – it's going to happen. We'll see it probably. I'm not sure Easter comes late this year. Maybe so. Um, it'll probably be May and into early June uh, when we see the CDC come out and say, hey, salmonella outbreak, blah, 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 a thousand people, you know, six, per, per, certain of those are hospitalized, hopefully no deaths. Um, normally that would be a small number, one or two, if you go back and look at any given year. And it's basically just poor handling practices of the baby chicks um, for with the parent and the children. Um, and then it's the issue of the chicks actually coming from the hatchery already infected with salmonella in most cases. Um, and so it's, you know, I know that the, um, uh, and I know I'm kind of not rambling here, but I think this is important, very important information. Uh, a few years ago, uh, the CDC and the USDA came up with this salmonella monitored program for these hatcheries. Um, and I urge people, you know, when you call to order your chicks, you ask them if they participate in the MPIP Salmonella Monitored Program, not just MPIP. Okay, that'll check for salmonella that can only affect the baby chicks or, or their chickens. Um, but um, you need this Salmonella Monitored Program because that actually requires the hatchery to check uh, I forget how many times a month, different parts of their hatchery for salmonella strains that can actually affect humans. So if they just say, oh, yeah, we, we're MPIP, but are you MPIP? Do you participate in the MPIP salmonella monitored program? That's a whole other issue, a whole other step to test for salmonellas, again, that, that's with the, uh, the, the human strains. And if they don't participate in that, I suggest you find another hatchery to purchase from because that alone is going to reduce the risk. Everything you can do just kind of reduce the risk. I'm going to reduce the risk of dying today in my car because I'm going to put on my seatbelt. Um, things like that. Um, and so ask them when you're ordering chicks, do you participate in that salmonella monitored program? In fact, uh, about a year or two after this was developed and they started this program, I called uh, hatcheries. Uh, and I remember I was in a hotel room. I was on tour, actually, book, book and speaking tour. And I won't name the hatchery name. But I got on, they had a little contact us on their website. And I said, hey, y'all Salmonella Monitor. Oh, yeah, we are. MPIP, yeah, da, 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 da. Well, I looked it up uh, at, at MPIP and no, they were not. So I sent them an email. I said, hey, I just wanted to make sure you said you were. And then in the email, they came out and said, yeah, actually, we're not MPIP. So uh, I just stressed to folks after that, whoever was on the other end of that little chat box on their website had no clue. Um, and they just initially said yes even though they actually weren't, until I followed up with an email saying, hey, I'd like to know if y'all are participating in the Salmonella Monitor Program, and that ended up being, oh, yeah, sorry, I made a mistake, we're not. Um, and this was a hatchery that a lot of people are familiar with. Um, and I don't know if since then if they have become and participated in that program or not. I'm not sure, but many are. For example, Ideal Poultry out of Cameron, Texas, one of the largest suppliers of baby chicks all across the country, 7 million baby chicks a year. They participate in the Salmonella Monitored Program over at Ideal Poultry. So, um, And I've actually visited their facility before. So uh, good folks, good hatchery, and there are others that participate in that, but that's something you want to ask. So um wanted to share all that with you. It is springtime. Millions of chicks are being shipped every single uh, year around this time. People are getting new chicks for the very first time. And uh, <laughs> those folks need to go and listen to Dr. Uh, Gearing talk about chick nutrition for the last two uh, podcasts that he's done. And then this one, too, about feed protein. So I'm going to go to a short commercial break and we can all about feed protein and uh, what the numbers mean 
how much do I need at you know different stages of life, and can I give too much protein? Can I give not enough protein? What are the issues with doing those, uh, doing it the wrong way? And uh, so get that pen and paper out during the commercial break and uh, get these notes down because you're going to want good information we can have for a long, long time for all stages of our baby chicks' lives. We'll be back right after this short break. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Are you dealing with a stinky coop or brooder? Backyard chicken owners are loving Chick Fresh. Not only does it eliminate the nasty odors, but it also eliminates the dangerous and unhealthy ammonia. You can use Chick Fresh in your coop, brooder, garbage can, litter boxes, and more. Even use it in your spouse's smelly shoes. Get your bottle 15% off today by going to coopcarespecial.com. Take back control and say no to nasty odors. Strong Animals uses plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Our daily snacks, water additives, and coop refresher products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to promote digestive health and immunity. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals products. Available at local farm stores across the country and Amazon. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today to learn more. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. And now we return to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer with your host, Andy Schneider. All right, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer brought to you by Tucker Milling. It's time to go ahead and welcome our guest today, uh, poultry nutritionist Dr. Curran Gehring. And also, based on that, a lot of you who have the baby chicks right now, um, y'all are dealing with um, a lot of stinky brooders. So take advantage of that Chick Fresh special deal because especially with the brooders, it works absolutely fantastic. And, and let's face it, most of, even though it's not recommended, most of all the brooders across America right now with these baby chicks are inside the house, whether it's in a little utility room or a spare bathroom or who knows where they have it. Um, and uh, and they're going to stink. So uh, try that chick fresh because it'll, especially in that brooder situation, it's going to work really well for you. All right, let's go over here to the phone lines and we will welcome our good friend, Dr. Curran Guerin. Hey, Doc, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hi, uh, oh, glad to uh, glad to join you, and I hope you're doing well. Yeah, hanging in there, doing really well, and excited about the uh, the show today. Um, all about feed protein. I know that we did uh, two shows earlier uh, on uh, about the uh, baby chick nutrition, and we're actually mm-hmm. doing the um, 
and I encourage people to go listen to those because right now it's tis the season. And then, uh, but I thought, you know, let's dissect for the next few episodes. Let's dissect the uh, protein issue. So let's take a little bit of things from the feedback and say, you know what? And so right now, I think we'll obviously start with protein because a lot of people say, hey, protein is king. And then you've got the, again the baby chicks with who are buying food and their chick starter higher in protein. Then we get to the layer and it's much lower in protein. So I thought it'd be a great idea for you to come on and kind of explain to us, you know, why is protein king? Is protein king? And kind of the difference, uh, maybe the risk of giving too much and then not enough at certain stages of life. And and then I understand that there's proteins that the birds can't use and uh, or can't utilize, but it still looks good on the bag when you see that high number. And then uh, I know there's uh, understanding that, you know, some you know, give too much protein. It can affect certain body organs. And then, you know, you have too much poo, and then that's going to cause too much ammonia. And it just uh, all the way down the line, too much or too little can, can affect our birds. And we just want our birds to be healthy so we can get lots of those wonderful eggs uh, for our family. And, and since it has to do about nutrition, I knew you were the man. All right. Um, well, I, you know, I think when when you look at most seed tags, uh, you know, obviously crude protein is there. Uh, sometimes you might have lysine or lysine methionine, uh, possibly threonine. Um, but you know, I've, I've said it. I think on on past shows and in in some of the articles that you know, crude protein doesn't really tell you anything, and and then if some of those individual amino acids are listed, those are usually total amino acids, not uh, digestible. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think in order to really understand um, why that is, you know, we got to understand what a protein is and what what amino acids are and why chickens have a uh, amino acid requirement and not a protein requirement. Uh, per se, so you know, if uh, if you agree, I, you know, we can go into kind of just a basic, you know, what is a, a protein and and what are these amino acids and why are some necessary and 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 maybe you know why are some not as necessary as others? Yeah, fantastic. Okay, um, so you know, at the most basic level. Uh, a protein is, is just a, a polymer or a, a chain. So you can think of it like a, a chain that has uh, just different chain, uh, chain links. And so there's, uh, there's about 20 uh, different amino acids that appear in genetic code, but there's hundreds of different amino acids uh, that are known in nature. And so the only thing that makes it an amino acid is each one has uh, what we call an, an amino group that has an, a nitrogen atom, and that's you know it sounds more more basic than than we want to be on on the show today, but uh, that'll be important in a little bit. And and then they have uh, a carbox uh, carboxylic acid group, and that's where they get the the acid part from. Um, but then each of the individual amino acids have an, another uh, a chemical group that makes them unique, and we call that a, a side chain. And so some of those side chains are uh, water-loving, some are water-hating, uh, some are negatively charged, some are positively charged. And so what that does is when... Uh, you know, when a plant or an animal produces a protein, 
then those different uh, properties of the side chains are going to affect how those amino acids in the chain uh, interact with one another. And that's going to determine how the protein folds and how it uh, develops into its, uh, its final shape. And so that, that's really what makes different proteins uh, unique is their three-dimensional shape. So you can think of it like if you had a, a chain and just mashed it up into a ball, except that ball holds its shape. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, that's a pretty pretty basic definition of a protein. You know, each each one is is a chain of amino acids, but proteins can be enzymes. They can be structural, like uh, you know, in, in muscle fibers. Uh, they can be hormones. They can be signaling molecules. Uh, and there's thousands of different uh, proteins that that are produced by the body every day and, and are found in plants and animals. And so that that's really um, why you know a number like crude protein uh, just really doesn't cut it in terms of uh, you know comparing one seed to the to another. And let's see. So, you know, and when, whenever a bird consumes uh, their, their feed and and consumes that protein, you know, that protein is not uh, absorbed intact. So, in the proventriculus and gizzard, uh, we have a lower pH. That's going to make the protein unfold back into a into a long, uh, longer chain, and then various uh, digestive enzymes are going to start breaking that protein down and down into to one or two chain length uh, units, and that's what's absorbed. And so, you know, that's what I really have meant when I when I say that the bird doesn't have a protein requirement; it has uh, an amino acid requirement because mm-hmm. it's only absorbing. Uh, those one or two amino acid uh, units. And then for the bird to build all the thousands of different proteins that it needs, it has to take those individual units and build them back into uh, into a unique protein that is different than the one uh, that it consumed. And so, you know, for each one of those proteins that the bird needs, you know, whether it's to produce a... Uh, uh, a hormone or uh, or a digestive enzyme uh, or a signaling molecule or, or whatever uh, protein it needs, each one of those proteins has a certain amount of lysine, a certain amount of methionine, threonine, uh, and on and on. And the bird can only make that, you know, any specific protein up until the point that it doesn't, uh, that, I mean, that it has those uh, those components. So you know, like if uh, if you had forty uh, trucks that were uh, everything but the wheels and tires, and you had wheels and tires for thirty nine, uh, then you can only make thirty nine trucks, and that so that's you know what we mean when 
when they have an amino acid is their their growth or their egg production is uh, you know that level of performance or health or whatever it is is determined by you know what the needs are uh, and and how much of those uh, individual amino acids are supplied uh, and then actually digested. Yeah, I know that I remember the article from um, Dr. Williams about that and talking about, you know, like you do a good job narrowing it down about the amino acids. And he said, you know, the, the amino acid requirements for cats is nothing like, and he used examples in there that I don't remember, uh, or is nothing like what's required for chickens. So they can't even utilize it anyway because it's a totally different amino acid that the chickens can't process or can't use or can't utilize. But, that, that, but it just everybody just throws that out there, dry cat food, dry cat food, dry cat food. So that's a perfect, perfect example, uh, and uh, uh, for that, it comes down to amino acid. I remember you talking about that in many of the other uh, episodes that we've had on this. Yep, absolutely, the amino acid. So, the so even, and I'm not saying any company specifically does this, but uh, if I wanted to be kind of, I mean, I could I could make a chicken feed and 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 throw on there literally whatever protein number that I wanted that was in there and maybe none of it would be appropriate for chickens, but the, the, the consumer sees, Oh, you know, 20% protein. Yeah. I want, protein is king. I'm going to buy that. But yet it's it, it, none of the protein in there. Literally. I mean, this is again, pulling a scenario out of my ear. I'm not saying it happens, but it could, I mean, that that's a possibility that, you know, I could put that on there and n- none of it, it would be end up being the right amino acid or the, the right type for the, for the chicken. So it's just something to, for the consumer, myself included to look for, when we see maybe that number, and we have we for for whatever reason over the years, protein is king, more is better, um, and then so I'm going to buy that bag, um, which is not always the case. Yeah, it's, you know, I was thinking about you know why do we put crude protein on the tag or or the bag, and and uh, you know the, the reason for feed companies is because it's required, but uh, you know it. It, it really is, is almost meaningless. Um, you know, in a, in a really good feed, then you would expect a, you know, a 16% protein feed is going to have a higher amino acid density of more of those uh, digestible amino acids than a 14% protein feed, or, you know, an 18 would have more than a 16. But, you know, just looking at, at one feed compared to another, especially from one company to another, uh, you know, it, it really doesn't tell you anything about about what's in that feed because, uh, you know, the, the reason that, it, that it's called crude protein, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll explain that, and, and I think most people would agree that crude should be in all capital letters and underlined. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's really crude. Um, and and that's because you know there there's ways to measure individual amino acids and, and determine exactly you know what percent is lysine and what percent is methionine and threonine, but it is extremely expensive and time consuming. Uh, and and to get a protein number from those amino acids, you have to analyze every amino acid uh, and then add them up. And so 
you know, it's not a not a big deal to do that once, but if you want to, you know, maintain accurate information, uh, it's, it's just pretty impractical. And so what, what crude protein is, is it's a, just a measure of the percent nitrogen that's in the seed uh, multiplied by a correction factor. And that correction factor is not very accurate. And so, um, and, the, and the reason that we measure nitrogen is because, uh, you, you know, from the amino group that every amino acid has, there's a nitrogen atom. And there's a few, um, or maybe at least two amino acids that also have an, another nitrogen in their, uh, in their side chain. But when you look at, uh, say, most grains, um, even meat, you know, most food-derived proteins have about 16% nitrogen. And so if you uh, analyze the feed for percent nitrogen, which means uh, one analysis instead of 22 and much cheaper, um, then you divide that by 0.16 and then you get crude protein. But you know, you got to remember that the percent nitrogen in corn is different than the percent nitrogen in soybean meal. It's different than wheat middlings. Uh, none of those are exactly 16%. Uh, each one of those different uh, items, whether it's a whole plant, like, or, you know, or a, a whole uh, ingredient like corn, or if it's something that's a a co-product or byproduct of another process, like uh, wheat middlings or uh, soy hulls or soybean meal. Uh, each one of those has, you know, maybe hundreds or thousands of different proteins that each have a different percentage of nitrogen. And so, you know, that 16% is just a, you know, calling it a ballpark figure is, is extremely generous mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and uh, you know that's that's all crude protein is is just uh, assuming that it's 16% nitrogen analyzing how much nitrogen is in it and then multiplying and then you know doing the math and so you know it's highly uh, or it could be extremely inaccurate for uh, how much protein is actually there uh, especially, you know, that's why if you, if you look at a, uh, say, a, a ruminant feed, I know there's probably a lot of people uh, listening that have cattle or goats or, or other ruminants, and, um, you know, a lot of times you'll have non-protein nitrogen, and that needs to be on the tag as well, um, you know, whether it's in the form of ammonium chloride or urea. And those products, like with uh, urea, for example, it has a crude protein value of, of uh, I think, a little over 270% um, because it's, the, it's so high in nitrogen. And, you know, it has a, but it has a protein value for chickens of pretty much zero. And so, you know, when you, when you look at a, say there's a goat feed that has, um, up to 2.79% of the crude protein from non-protein nitrogen, 
uh, and it's a 16% protein feed, that you know that that feed has 16% protein for goats, but it only has about 13% for chickens. And uh, so, yeah, I mean that's that's why you you know the the crude protein can be very misleading if you don't understand you know what it really is. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. So for for the the new chicken owner out there, we, you know, they walk into the store, a local mom and pop store, chain store, and they 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 ask the employee that, hey, you need chick starter, and then typically they'll be, I would say, the many a thousands of times I've been feed stores, there might be three brands there, some may have four, I would think, but today I think most of the feed stores I go into uh, would have you know maybe three different brands, and they'll just have any chick starter. And then the, the, the next thing they'll probably do as a consumer is say, okay, well, and then they'll say, hmm, and they'll base that on, on the price. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if, you know, protein would ever be even mentioned in a situation like that um, where that uh, employee is going to say, well, chick starter, it's going to have more protein. So obviously, if you look at the chick starters, they're more expensive. People always say this, chick starter is more expensive because it has more protein in it. Um, and how how accurate is that statement? Is is the protein uh, as a feed producer, say Tucker Millen, is that is that where does that affect the money like we always assume it is? Because that's what we hear. Chick starter is a lot more than say layer feed because it has more protein and that's more dollars. And so is that is that a, does that equate pretty accurate assumption that you know hey it's got more protein it's going to cost more money. That's where the money's coming from between chick starter and and layer feed. That five, six, seven, ten dollars difference in bag, because you've got from sixteen percent to you know twenty-two percent protein. That's that's where that cost is coming. Is that is that a pretty in, in a in a simple generic without take, spending a lot of time on it? At the end of the day, that's what we always assume here that chick starter is more expensive because it's got more protein. Is that a safe, simple assumption? Um. I think it is if you're comparing feeds that are in the same um, nutrient density category or, you know, if you're comparing economy feeds or if you're comparing premium feeds. Um, you know, some of your your most expensive nutrients to supply are going to – I mean, they're going to be your amino acids or protein um, or energy. Uh, so, you know, if you have two diets that are formulated the same way and one has a higher crude protein uh, and, and if they have the same amount of fat and same amount of calories, then, then yeah, your, your higher protein feed is going to cost more. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the difference is, you know, if you, if you look at a lot of the, the cheapest chick starters, they're going to be about 18% protein uh, mm-hmm. as far as, you know, back goes. So, you know, you're only looking at Maybe a couple percent more anyway than, or a couple percentage points more than a uh, most layer feeds. But the the thing is, when when you look at the cheapest chick starters on the market, mm-hmm. those are probably formulated by just putting a minimum on crude protein of eighteen point two. You know, have a little mm-hmm. safety mm-hmm. margin, and then just let it formulate the cheapest mixture of ingredients to get that crude protein. And, you know, not caring about where the individual amino acids land or the digestibility. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. 
So if you formulated a 16% protein layer feed the same way, it's going to be cheaper. But if you formulate a 16% layer feed um, where you're not really even worried about crude protein, but you're formulating based on minimum digestible amino acid ratios, that's probably going to be more expensive than the 18% that, where you didn't worry about amino acid digestibility. Now, if I remember, remember correctly, in the last uh, one of the last two episodes uh, that we did about you know maybe chick nutrition, you shared a study with us where it was, it was I think it was just a, a local farm, actually maybe here in Georgia, that they they did a study and they bought a premium, I think it was a Tucker milling feed, and fed it versus. And, and even though it was cost more per bag, they actually consumed less, which made it at the end of the day a better. And you had the numbers, you know, and people can go back and listen to the episode. It was literally just within cents um, uh, ended up being either more or even less. I don't remember. But you were talking about the, the quality of feed and and the feed, you know, the conversion ratio ratio. And, uh, you know, all of that, it was very interesting. And I hope people go back and listen to those other two episodes about how they were spending so much more per bag, but the chickens consumed less because they were getting what they actually needed. And so between the bags, it was, it was a fascinating story. And, and I know we hit on this a lot in the past, too, about this bag may be $5 more, $4 more. But here's a study that shows that it's <laughs> equal to or less to the economy feed because of the the what the amount the birds I guess are consuming because they're getting what they need out of it because it's a better feed something like that but uh, I remember you sharing that in the last episode or two which was fascinating this kind of sounds like what we're talking about now with protein yeah no it usually is yeah that was um, you know I was talking about our our show flock starter that you know I think in in most cases is a few dollars a bag more than our regular chick starter. Um, but we did a study at Mississippi State University, and, you know, it was cheaper per bird to feed the show flock starter through uh, 46 days. And uh, it was because of the, you know, much improved feed conversion. And a lot of that is uh, amino acid density driven. And, uh, you know, actually, yeah, yesterday I was back in uh, Starkville, and, and uh, I was uh, serving on a, a – master's uh, committee and a uh, student was defending his thesis and and he looked at uh, different amino acid densities uh, for uh, birds from 28 to 42 days of age and you know one thing that that you hear all the time even among nutritionists that have you know, been working for for years they always say that birds will eat to meet their energy requirement and that's true, but, you know, amino acid density uh, is going to drive feed intake as well. And so, you know, one thing that is really interesting to me is that um, that student did um, one study where he looked at amino acid density and energy. So he had three different levels of uh, calories, and then he had seven different uh, – amino acid densities where digestible lysine was from 0.72% to 1.18%. And, 
and the effect on feed intake was almost identical between amino acids and, and calories. And so, yeah, you know, yes, uh, you know, one bag of feed might cost a couple dollars more, but it's very possible, especially if you're comparing that uh, bag of feed to, uh, you know, the cheap feed, it's very possible that it costs less per bird to feed that, uh, it, especially for a growing bird uh, to reach the same weight. Um, and, and with our show flock versus our regular feed, not only was it cheaper per bird to reach the same body weight, they reached the same body weight a week faster uh, than on the on the cheaper feed. And, you know, for an older bird like a, a hen, you know, of course they're not going to be gaining weight like that, but, you know, you, you'll see it in egg production. If I don't know if I've ever asked you this before, popped into my head. If if let's say the consumer walks in and they're gonna and, they, and they're gonna choose to spend their hard-earned money extra on, we'll just say a premium feed, and they're gonna, would you consider them doing that during the chick starter phase, or once the chick chickens or the hens start laying. So look, I say, I'm going to, I choose to, and some people may already do this. I'll choose to spend more out of my pocket for the first 16 weeks and buy that premium because they the chicks, they need the protein, they need the right protein. They're growing. All these things is so fundamental that they get all of their insides correct. And then when they start laying, then I'll lay off a little bit financially and I'll get this maybe mid-grade or whatever. And that's a loaded question from a chick, from a nutritionist like yourself, I'm sure, because, I mean, at all aspects of life, you would say, I'm sure, and, and I think most people would agree, nutrition is very important in all aspects of a laying hen's life. But if you had that person that says, you know, I, I'm going to spend more for the first 16 weeks, and then I'll just get the old, you know, whatever the 16% that I'm going to get, whether it be Tucker Millen or any other brand, I'm going to get the 16%. I won't, maybe won't pop for the Super Late 22 or the Show Flock. Um, would, uh, and that's a loaded question. I know you're a poultry nutritionist, and like I said, we all probably agree that great nutrition is probably life you know, to death, hatch to death. But would that be more, would that be better money skiss on that top of the line premium feed for the first 16 weeks uh, versus? say once they start laying and you're just okay i'm ready for 16 percent layer let's roll with it loaded question but would my assumption be correct that it's better to spend that extra money for the first 16 weeks yeah no i, I agree completely actually um mm -hmm. you know if, if you look at how much feed they consume in those first 16 weeks versus the rest of their life uh -huh. you know it's it's a small part of it right and right. so if there was ever a time to spend a little more, it's it's then, and that, because that's that's when you're setting up the foundation for that bird, um, health-wise, performance-wise, uh, for the rest of its life. And once the you know once she does start laying, you know I think most 16% feeds on the market are probably pretty decent. Um, obviously, on a better feed, you'll you probably get more eggs, um, and probably better shell quality and things like that, but, you know, I know there's a lot of uh, families that, you know, may have a family of three or four, and, and they have 10 hens, and they don't need, uh, you know, 63 eggs a week, mm -hmm. and so, you know, it, 
you know, getting a few less eggs might not be a problem. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think if, if you were, if, if you could ever invest in, in your birds, the, the time to do it for sure would be, in, in, you know, early on. Because that's, that's when their uh, immune system is developing, their uh, gastrointestinal tract is developing. Uh, there's plenty of research showing that there's, you know, long-term differences in livability um, and production, uh, you know, when, when they're started out right. So, yeah, I agree. Okay. Yeah, I just wasn't sure. Hey, I'm going to very quickly uh, go to our second commercial break. It'll uh, but we got to do that, so stay with us, folks. Lots of great information, and uh, when we come back, maybe 10 or 15 more minutes of this great topic about uh, uh, feed protein. And so during the break, uh, Doc, if you'll kind of say, okay, we've got about 10 minutes left, but let me, I want to make sure I illustrate this very important uh, topic. So if you'll kind of narrow that down for the last 10 to 15 minutes of the show, that'll be great. And we'll head on to our next commercial break for the show. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Yardbird Chicken Plucker takes the hassle out of backyard chicken processing by fully defeathering birds in just 15 seconds. Powered by a 1.5 horsepower electric motor, the Yardbird Chicken Plucker can handle two 8-pound birds at one time, while the built-in irrigation ring keeps your hands free for other butchering tasks. The 20-inch stainless steel drum features 110 rubber plucking fingers that gently remove feathers and dirt without tearing the skin. When butchering is complete, the plucker rinses clean with just soap and water. To learn more or purchase your plucker, visit YardbirdPluckers.com. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at StrombergsChickens.com. That's StrombergsChickens.com. Are you dealing with a stinky coop or brooder? Backyard chicken owners are loving Chick Fresh. Not only does it eliminate the nasty odors, but it also eliminates the dangerous and unhealthy ammonia. You can use Chick Fresh in your coop, brooder, garbage can, litter boxes, and more. Even use it in your spouse's smelly shoes. Get your bottle 15% off today by going to coopcarespecial.com. Take back control and say no to nasty odors. Metzer Farms is now hatching and shipping the premier egg layer. This girl is consistently laying jumbo eggs with a higher nutrient density and lower water content than your eggs now. She is an extremely hardy bird and the most heat and cold tolerant egg layer available, allowing for year-round outdoor production. An eggshell unmatched in sturdiness and thickness, making cracks a thing of the past. Increase your health and double your egg profits. Of course, we're talking about ducks. Duck eggs are revered by chefs for their succulent flavor and by bakers for being the better baking egg. Learn more about this extraordinary duck, the Golden 300, or any of our other 
35 plus breeds of ducks and geese at MetzerFarms.com and order your next flock from us. And now we return to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer with your host, Andy Schneider. All right, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by our good friends over at uh, Grimelli. And uh, I also want to tell you folks that um, I'm still in the process of testing some more bedding from our good friends at American Wood Fibers. And uh, next time, uh, the feed store you normally buy your shavings from is 30, 45 minute drive, an hour away, and you're heading over to Wally World anyway to pick up something. Uh, don't forget, Wally World's got your shavings, pine shavings, and your cedar shavings, and so you can pick it up right there. Uh, and also available on Chewy, of course, delivered right to your door. And they've got an array of products. And right now, I'm, I'm, I'm working on and testing a, uh, I think it's a paper-based uh, odor control shaving for uh, brooders. So that's very interesting. Always something going on here at the Homestead, testing new product uh, to share with all of you good folks out there that uh, want to know about the new products that are coming out with uh, Backyard Poultry. So got to love that. The new episode, the new episode, <laughs> the new issue of Chicken Whisper Magazine, the spring 2022 edition, should be hitting your emails either this Friday or Saturday or next Friday or Saturday. So the next couple of weeks, you'll have the spring issue of the new uh, Chicken Whisperer magazine. And then if you subscribe to the print edition uh, for just $9.95 a year, uh, it should be coming to your mailbox uh, soon after that. Uh, but great articles in there, including an article from our good friend, poultry nutritionist, Dr. Curran Gehring. So let's get back to speaking of Dr. Gehring, talking about feed protein. And uh, as we kind of wrap this up, the next uh, 10 minutes, uh, if there's something you kind of wanted to say, yeah, I don't want to forget to say that, or, I don't wanna, or this is very important, I think this is a good idea for the consumer that's walking in the feed store this afternoon, and they're like, hey, chick starter, or when they get to chick layer, and they're like, okay, I got 16%, I got 70%, I got 18%, I even got 22% uh, protein with our layer feed, and my goodness, there's just so, so many options, maybe even more options with layer feed uh, than with chick starter. Um, the importance of feed protein. So uh, we'll kind of wrap it up over the next few minutes about anything you really want to convey or what you think is important uh, from a poultry nutritionist uh, standpoint uh, for the consumer as they pick out their feed this spring. Yeah, so, you know, when you look at, at commercial layer diets, and, and those are birds that are, you know, laying at an ex- extremely high rate and, and extremely efficient and they need a lot of nutrients and you know a lot of those diets have uh you know they might be 15 and a half percent even less than uh you know than your typical uh, bag feed and uh so you know that's i guess something to to keep in mind is is they don't have a a need for you know a, a really high level of protein um, in fact, their their need for crude protein is, in, in a lot of cases, less than than what's in in those bag feeds. But um, you know, in a really good layer diet, uh, those digestible amino acid levels are probably going to be higher than what's in um, you know, say the whatever the cheapest layer feed is at a at a feed store, and. So, you know, nutritionally, if, uh, you know, we, we look at a hen somewhere in the middle of 
her first year of laying. Um, you know, we know she needs about 79 or 80 grams of lysine per day. And say she's consuming 115 grams of, uh, of feed per day. So that's about a quarter of a, a pound. Um, you know, it, you can't formulate a diet to 16% protein or 17 or 22 uh, to make sure that she gets that 79 grams of lysine. A diet has to be formulated with 0.69% digestible lysine. And so, you know, and, and to do it that way, if you go past crude protein and don't just formulate on a minimum crude protein value and go to amino acids, that's more expensive. If you go past total amino acids and formulate on the digestible values, that's more expensive. But what that does is that's the only way that you can make sure that she's going to get uh, exactly, uh, you know, the amount of, of those building blocks that she needs to uh, to maintain her body, to lay eggs um, consistently, um, and and so, you know, it's really important to know those digestible levels because the other thing, too, is if you have a, you know, a really cheap diet uh, that's, you know, where it's, it's uh, meeting a crude protein level but maybe not formulated um, to that level of precision where you're looking at digestibles, uh, you know, you're going to have a lot more undigested protein uh, getting to the hindgut, which could uh, cause imbalances uh, there that that allow you know some of the bad bacteria to colonize and and make the bird sick potentially. Um, you also have more um, you know problems with with litter quality and uh, you know like you said that can turn into problems with ammonia. Um, it can also be you know problems with uh, foot pads or and, and other things. So. You, you really don't want a lot of uh, undigested uh, nutrients getting past, uh, you know, you know where the where they should be absorbed uh, to the hindgut or, um, you know, or out of the bird. And so, you know, we always, you know, I guess you know we think of everything as mostly digestible, and I guess you know it really really is in, in most diets, but if you look at corn, for example, um, the amino acid digestibility values are um, in the low to mid 80% range for most of them. Um, and then soybean meal is in the high to high 80s to low 90% range. And, you know, then some other ingredients that are cheaper are going to have lower digestibility values. Um, and some more expensive ingredients are going to have higher values and and uh you know so that's that's why if a if a diet is really formulated right it's going to cost more um but it's going to be more efficient because there's there's going to be uh more of that diet that's usable by the bird and uh you know anything that 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 the bird eats and and comes out the other side is uh, you know it doesn't matter if it was cheap you, you paid for it and and didn't get anything for it so I you know I think it's definitely worth um, 
you know, investing in a, a pretty good seed if, if you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like you said, the study with uh, uh, Mississippi State, I think it was, you know, kind of kind of proves that mm-hmm. uh, it ends up being cheaper per bird in the long run based on all that. And then cleaning out the coop, I mean, the amount of poop, and then, like you said, the ammonia and the foot pad uh, issues, uh, not only affecting the eyes because of the ammonia and then uh, – because you got to figure out, you know, these birds are only what nine, ten inches from from the the poop and the litter, and then of course you're six feet tall, uh, so you may not realize. You know, so we've had shows on that before too. So yeah, um, yeah at the end of the day, um, I, I think we've proved it many times when you've been on the show. A, a better feed, better quality of feed, will pay for itself, uh, you know, tenfold because of all the reasons that we talk about how you clean in the coop and the amount of poop that you get and the quality of the amount, you know, the, the amount of ammonia, uh, and then the study that shows that it was actually less per bird based on feed conversion and whatnot um, with, the, with the better feed and what they were consuming and utilizing and different things like that. So, you know, we, we've stressed this since we started working together, Doc, about, you know, be a label reader. And oftentimes that's mm-hmm. that's simple too, but it's also, you know, I can read that label, but still doesn't mean a lot to me as the, the the backyard chicken keeper. I'm like, okay, I read the label. I still don't really know any more. So that's why these shows are great uh, because we'll, we'll dissect these things, you know, protein, and we'll pick a, something else for next month's show that's on that feed label to say, okay, let's we talked about protein. Let's talk about this in the feed and what does it do to our bird and how um, uh, is, is it utilized and, and and so we'll pick something else for next month. But I know protein, so many people say, hey, protein is king, regardless, whether it's baby chicks, whether it's molting, whether it's, you know, back in the day, this was 15 years ago. I remember there was a kick uh, about folks feeding game bird starter to just Rhode Island Reds because they were like, oh, they're going to get bigger and stronger and faster, and it's going to be better for them in the long run. And then people found out not so much because then they were having issues uh, by doing that, a lot of issues with egg laying and the reproduction track and egg-bound hens and things like that for for doing so. Um, And I'm going to say this, too, as we wrap up the show here, is that, guys, if if you're in the southeastern United States, you probably have access to the Tucker Milling feed. So then you listen to these shows, you read Dr. Uh, um, Gehring's articles, then you should by now, of course, be like, oh, there's Tucker Milling feed. I already know that that's formulated the way I need it because I listen to him. I know him. And guess what? You can even contact him if you want to. So if you have a question, uh, you can reach out to them. You can send them an email. It'll get to uh, Dr. Gehring about whatever issue you have, especially if you live in the southeastern United States. We've talked about on other episodes, if you live outside their current area, um, how you can get maybe uh, a pallet worth, share with your friends, whatever the case may be. But if you're in these states in the southeastern United States, and uh, you see that Tucker Mangling label, then and you listen to the show and you read his articles, then it should already be kind of a, a given, like, hey, I want that Tucker Milling. And I bet you nine times out of ten, you're going to be saving money um, because I know when I still today go to the store yesterday, when I go get that pallet of feed and I'm paying out of my pocket for that, I swipe my personal credit card uh, or I give cash for that pallet of feed, and then I look at what it would have been with the other feed that that store carries, then I, you know, I'm saving a considerable amount, especially buying a pallet worth. I mean, we're talking that the store about 20 minutes in the opposite direction with the store that I go to, they have a, quote, premium feed, and it's about $11 a bag more 
for the layer feed than what I'm getting premium feed from Tucker Milling for at the store that I get it from. So, um, again, if you're in the southeastern United States, and then if you are in the southeastern United States and your store doesn't carry it, ask them to, you know. Uh, contact Tucker Millen and say, hey, I'd like to get it in my store. What Can, can you all send the sales guy by and say, hey, um, and see if you can, can get it that way. And it may be worth driving another 10 minutes to the store down the way that's, that actually has the Tucker Milling. So I'll let you as the listener and the consumer make all those choices for yourself. But uh, I wanted to uh, plant that bug uh, in your ear because um, you're already listening to all the great information that Curran uh, uh, shares on the show. So thanks for coming on. This was great. This, this uh, exceeded my expectations, and I, I think all of my questions as, as a consumer and, and chicken keeper were, were answered that I could think of, and we'll look forward to you coming back in April and uh, end of April, and we'll talk about you and I off, off the air. We'll choose another ingredient that may uh, uh, talk about next month and say, hey, this, let's, let's just dissect this feed bag once and for all because it's one thing, and we've talked about this, to say, oh, be a label reader. Okay, I'll be a label reader. I'll go and I'll read this label, and I'll read that label and that label, and it really, I still don't, it still doesn't mean that much to me until I can really figure this out. I can look at the numbers on the bag, but you've explained from day one that we've been working together and you've been coming on the show and writing for the magazine that those numbers on there may not be all what they're cracked up to be. Uh, so we're, we're, I think this is great dissecting, dissecting each one of these uh, for the feedback. So we can be a label reader, but take it further. <laughs> we, we know what we're reading. Uh, instead of just reading the label, so we gotta we gotta make this right for mm-hmm. all of the folks that, that are tuning in. So, um, but thanks so much for for coming on, and uh, we'll see you. I guess it'll be the fourth uh, Thursday, fourth Thursday in April, which may be after Easter. So I do hope you have a good Easter holiday with your family, um, and uh, take care until then. And we'll see you next time. Uh, all right, thank you. Um, you too, Andy, and uh, thanks for having me. Yep, thank you very much for coming on. We appreciate your time and all your expertise and helping us, me, and all of our listeners uh, raise a healthy flock of uh, birds, whether it be meat birds or layers or just pets or whatever the case may be. We all want them to be healthy, and we all need to be label readers, but it goes it goes a lot further than that. Um, we need to know kind of what they mean. And uh, uh, Dr. Gehring's got all those years of I mean, PhD in this stuff, and so I'm glad he can explain it to us at, at the layman's terms for me, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners. But I, I can be a label reader, and we've pushed that before on the show. But you know, when you really think about it, okay, I'll go read this label. Do, did that really help me? Do I still really know what that means? Probably not. So that's why we're doing these shows because I want to learn, and you want to learn. And I want you to know better and raise your birds healthier for all of that. So uh, if you already subscribed to Chicken Whisperer Magazine in the next couple of weeks, you're going to get it in your email. You're going to get it in your mailbox. If you haven't already, there's no reason not to because the digital edition is absolutely free, always has been. This is our eighth year of producing that magazine, eight years. I can't believe it in February. Uh, this spring issue will be the eighth anniversary, eight years. The digital edition's always been free. There's no bait and switch, um, and you can subscribe to that at chickenwhisperermagazine.com. And uh, if you like an actual color, beautiful magazine to uh, research, um, we can go back and look and take notes. Take notes during the show in the magazines, whatever the case may be, nine ninety five per year, and we'll mail it right to your mailbox uh, four times per year. So make sure you do that. And uh, 
We really appreciate you listening. If I can find the right button here, there it is. And we'll see you next week right here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. This has been Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling with your host, Andy Schneider. For more information, find us on the web at chickenwhisperer.com, on Facebook by typing in The Chicken Whisperer, on Twitter at Backyard Poultry, and on Instagram at The Real Chicken Whisperer. Thanks for listening.